Good morning. Hey, did any of you guys ever watch the show BattleBots? Did you guys ever watch that show? That show was awesome. And around year 2000, it was actually on Comedy Central, but it wasn't funny. It was everything but. Uh, it was where these scientific type men would come up with these uh, robots and basically it would be this gladiator arena and you'd have two robots against each other and they would have these controllers and they would try to basically destroy the other robot. It was awesome. Uh, and in this, I remember, well, first off, I, I was studying for this message and I found out that they brought BattleBots back like two years ago and I didn't even know it and I was so mad. Um, so last night I watched a bunch of those in, prepare, in preparation for this message today. Uh, but the BattleBots show, I remember as a kid, there would always be these robots that they would make that were just so flashy and gigantic. And it would be basically like a dragon that breathed fire and had these claws that would, you know, were supposed to puncture the other robot. And those ones were always my favorites. I thought, man, this robot's going to kill it. It's going to be amazing. Um, and then there would be other ones that were kind of smaller, a little shiftier. They always had like a ramp on them or something. And the funny thing is that the smaller ones, kind of like you see right there, the smaller ones uh, in the shows that I watched were, were much more effective. And the reason being is that the robots that I always cheer for were these massive structures that were flashy, that were, you know, they, were they looked really cool, but when you actually thought about it, they weren't very effective. They couldn't move very well. They, they, they didn't do what they were supposed to do. And the other ones that, were, um, uh, that weren't so flashy were much more effective. And the reason I'm, I'm sharing this today is because I believe that the church a lot of times becomes this massive, flashy organization where we just want to get as big as we can, fill in as many seats as we can, get the buildings as big as we can, make it look as cool as it can. Yet what I feel like is that when it actually comes to effectiveness, when that's our focus, the church is so far off. We have gone so far away from the effectiveness that God has called us to. We've made it something that it was never supposed to be. And the, um, in, in the Bible, Jesus says, man, the two things that you need to focus on are loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. The series that we're going into is called How to Neighbor. And what it's about is how do we get back to the basics? How do we get back to the basics? How do we actually get back to that effectiveness that God has called us to? In the next two series, this series and then the next one called Salt, that's what we're focusing on is that it's, it's going to be about our missional renewal, figuring out what did God call the church to be? What did he call you to do? And how do we get back to the basics to where we're not this just massive, flashy organization that really can't move around a whole lot and doesn't have a whole lot of effectiveness? How do we get back to where we truly are making a difference in our community? Uh, I've got good news today. Uh, this is the last Sunday of the year that will be without NFL football. So that is a praise report. I, I, love, uh, I love the NFL. I love football. Um, 
The NFL draft just happened a little while ago, and I don't know why, but I always think through, if I were to get drafted, what would it look like? Um, and it could still happen, that's the thing. I serve a God of miracles, and I think that's, that's the difference I'm gonna make. Um, the, I always think of these ridiculous scenarios if I were to get drafted, and I, and I don't know why. Um, like one of them is, if I were to get drafted, you know how you sit at the table with your family, you know, at the draft, uh, if you're good enough, which I am. Uh, so you sit at the table with your family, and, and so you got your mom, your dad, all that kind of stuff, and then, you know, the phone rings, and they all come up, and they hug you. I always thought, man, it'd be really fun to, like, sit at the table, and then just get a bunch of wolves, and have them sit at the table with you, and they just say, like, I was raised by wolves. Like, I, this is my family. Like, I grew up in the wilderness. Um, I thought that'd be, a, raise a lot of questions. Um, <clears throat> But, you know, that, that's like a term, like, raised by wolves. But what I realized this week is that there was a guy that was actually raised by wolves. No joke. There's this guy named Marco Rodriguez Pentoya. He was in Spain. His mom, had his mom had died, and his dad had actually sold him to another man, basically sold him into slavery because he was supposed to tend goats at the age of six. And so this, this kid, he's six years old. They brought him to a mountain range to learn from this, like, elderly shepherd and he said, like, he trained him a couple days, and this elderly shepherd, like, peaced out. Like, he left and was like, oh, I'll be back. Didn't come back. And he's, so he's six years old, like, in the wilderness. And um, he said that literally the wolves, like, fed him and showed him, like, hey, these are the berries you can eat. These are the mushrooms you can eat. And, like, he lived amongst these, these wolves. And it, was, it wasn't until he was 19 years old when the police got him, and he had this huge he had this just culture shock of like transitioning into, um, into the real world. He said the first time he heard a radio, like he smashed it thinking there were like people inside of it. Like he didn't understand it. He didn't get it. And he, um, he was raised by wolves. He was in the wilderness and um, he was left to the wolves to be raised. And, um, you know, there are kids today that are in our community, in our country, in our world, that they have been left with no real parental influence, no love, no, you know, there's, there's, there's no um, raising of them. They're basically left, not to the wolves, but to the world to be raised. There's no, there's no mentor, there's no influence. It's just literally, hey, we're going to let the world raise them. We're going to let culture raise them. And it's, it's scary because we see where the world is. We see where culture is, the things it celebrates. And so there's a lot of kids that, that they are raised by the world and they have these physical needs, emotional needs, spiritual needs that are not met. In, in the world today, UNICEF says there's 153 million orphans. Um, and and that, that number can kind of throw you off because what they define orphans as is, is somebody that has lost one parent. There's 153 million. But double orphans, children that have lost two parents, there's 26 million. Um, but even more than that, the family unit is becoming less and less. There's, there's more that's dividing the family unit. Um, you know, divorce rates are high. Um, more and more kids need the church to step in and truly let them know, hey, you are loved, you are valued, you have a purpose in life. Today we're talking about embracing the orphan. Embracing the orphan. 
Um, so why is this so important to embrace the orphan? Why is this the very first week that we're talking about when we talk about how to neighbor? You know, because sometimes we think, man, shouldn't I just bring my, my you know, neighbor a fruit basket and we can call it a day? Um, no, I think God calls us to more than that. And, and he's very clear on our treatment of the orphan. Um, the, the first reason that I, that I think it's so important for us to embrace the orphan is caring for orphans, and this is in the notes, caring for orphans is the gospel in its purest form. Is the gospel in its purest form. James 1.27 says, pure and genuine religion, and that word religion means worship when you look at the Greek. In the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. It's so easy with us being humans to dilute the gospel, to add things to the gospel, to change it to be something that it's not. And, and some of the things that dilute it are pride, power, politics, all that kind of stuff to where when we follow God, it doesn't become about other people. It becomes about us. And we do a lot of things that are self-serving. But when it comes to caring for orphans, for the most part, it's clear of ulterior motives. Here are people that are forgotten, who are downcast, who can't pay you back, who can't, you know, um, who, who can't, like, basically return the favor. And um, I think that's why God makes this as one of the, the, the things that he says is pure and genuine worship of him. You know, the Bible is very clear, very clear that life is valuable, that life is precious, I believe that life is precious from conception. I, 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 I think that there's, it's very obvious that, that life happens and it's precious and that is a person. But a lot of times what we do is, is we say we are pro-life, but we don't realize that pro-life means from conception to expiration, an entire person's life. Sometimes what we do is we push for, for you know, um, for us to see life as life, which I think is amazing, which I think is, is something from God. But a lot of times what happens is we, we stop there and once the baby's born, then it's like, okay, cool, we did our job. It's like, no, if we're pro-life, we go from conception all the way to expiration. We, we don't leave this, this kid, you know, and say, oh, great, the kid was born. No, we as a church need to step in and make sure that kid knows that they are loved. Make sure that they know that they are, that they are valuable. You know, one of, the, the, one of the frustrations I have sometimes is that people treat babies differently depending on the location of it. You know, it's the one on, the, on the one end, I don't understand how a baby can be a baby when it's outside of the womb. But, but once it's inside of the womb, it's not. You know, it's the same, it's the same baby. But, but on the flip side what we do sometimes is we treat it as being so valuable once it's, when it's inside the womb, and then once it's out, then it's like, okay, we're going to wash our hands clean. I don't think we're called to do that. I think we're called from the moment that baby is conceived all the way to when it dies is, is when the church, when they should know, man, the church cares about me. The church loves me. Um, there's a, uh, a really cool story, and some of you guys may have seen this. It kind of went viral um, but there was an officer named Ryan Holitz, and he's a police officer in Albuquerque. 
and he came across two people um, at, at like a gas station, and they were, they were about to do some heroin, and what he realized is that uh, the lady was eight months pregnant. And what he did is he, is he told this, this girl, at first he was like, what are you doing? You're going to kill your baby. You're going to, what are you doing? But then he felt like God was telling him, like, tell this girl that you will adopt her baby. And so that's what he did. And then he told his wife after. Um, and, but the cool thing is he's like, we talked about this. We, we are in the same, we're in the same vein when it comes to this stuff. Like we, we're in the same heart. And so his wife was like, absolutely, of course. And him and his wife, they, they, his wife, Rebecca, they adopted this girl. And the crazy thing is they already had four kids under the age of five. And they still adopted this girl. They named the girl Hope. I just think it's such an appropriate name. So go ahead and show the, so that's, that's Officer Holitz, and that's little baby Hope. And then that's them at the State of the Union. I just think that's so cool. And um, this is what the Washington Post said. So this, is, this isn't like Christianity Today. This is what the Washington Post said. It says, talks about them having four kids all under the age of five. And it says, Holitz, a religious 27-year-old who values his privacy, didn't do it for the attention. He did it because he felt a calling from God. He knew it was the right thing to do. And then it goes on to say that one of the conditions was Holitz said, he did an interview with CNN, and he said, hey, if I'm going to do this interview, the thing is that I, I, I don't want people to do a fundraiser page or anything like that because I want them to know that like, I'm not doing this for monetary gain or, or anything like that. I just want, he said if, if you're going to donate, then, then donate to a local drug re- rehabilitation center or, or adoption organization. And he just really wanted it to be clear that like, this is just the right thing to do. This isn't like we're doing this for anything of our own gain. Like, it's just the right thing to do. And the really cool thing is that with this, that mom, she had a really hard time of getting off drugs, but they were able to get her into a rehabilitation center. And um, show the picture. That's what she looks like now. That's the same woman from the very first picture. So we see that when it comes to embracing the orphan, there is a redemption and a, and a transformation that just happens when God's people do what we're called to do. This is pure worship of God. When we just say, hey, I don't care if I'm repaid. I don't care what I get back. I'm just going to love because I know that's what I'm called to do. So the first thing is that we see that embracing the orphan is the gospel in its purest form. The second thing is that the church is to take responsibility. The church is to take responsibility. There's this one pastor that, that said that, man, what if we gauge the success of the church not by the number of people in attendance, but by things in our community, like high school graduation rates, divorce rates, crime rates. You know, as the gospel invades our community, it will change this. Um, I don't have this in the notes, but I was, just, I was just thinking of this a little while ago. It's in, it's in Acts 8, and it says this. It says um, in verse 7, Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims. And many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. And then it says this in verse 8. So there was great joy in that city. You see, when God is moving... When we are doing what we're called to do, it brings great joy to our city. 
Where we get it wrong is we think, hey, what we need to do as Christians is shelter ourselves, put ourselves in bubble wrap, keep ourselves from everybody else. Ugh, that's the world. We need to stop, you know, make sure we're not even close to them. But God's saying, no, you are the light of the world. And when you are on mission, it brings great joy to the city. There needs to be transformation that takes place. As it is right now, the, the stats I read, Virginia currently ranks last in percentage of orphans who turn 18 without being adopted. Virginia ranks third to last in time it takes to get adopted at 16.2 months. Out of teenagers who age out, so that means they turn 18 without getting adopted, 20% will be homeless after 18, 42% will drop out of high school, and 71% of girls will become pregnant by the age of 21. God wants us to be the influencers, influencers of culture. God wants us to be the light of the world. He wants us to bring heaven down. And if we want to truly leave an impact in our community, it starts from the inside out. You know, you might ask, man, what's my part in the process? Um, in Psalm 68, 5 through 6, it says this. Talking about God, he's a father to the fatherless, defender of widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. We're going to start first looking at that. He's a father to the fatherless. You know, the, the role of a father is so important in every person's life. The stats say that more than one in four kids live without a father. What the stats say is that seven out of 10 high school dropouts are fatherless. 60% of inmates have, are people who have grown up without a father. Girls are four times more likely to have a teenage pregnancy if the father is absent. Everybody needs somebody, even if it's not their biological father, somebody that's going to come alongside them and say, I love you. You are valuable. You are important. Men and women, we need to be the people in the community that are going to say, man, who are the ones that have been forgotten, that have never heard that they are loved, that never truly know their value? We need to be the ones that speak into their lives and say, hey, this might be the hand that you are dealt, but that has nothing to do with your value or your potential. Man, if they can't hear that from us, then I don't know who they're going to hear it from. Men of the church, I want to speak to us for a second because a lot of times what we do is, is we, uh, what we've seen is that, that a lot of times females are, are, are just jumping in and ready to do everything. And just sometimes for men, for whatever reason, it's harder to get you guys to serve. I don't know what, it, I don't know what the, the reason is, but... I think we've consumed ourselves with things that are ultimately meaningless in the scope of eternity. I talk a lot about football. I love football. I love fantasy football. I love everything football. But there are times where I think, is this getting in the way of what truly matters? I'm not saying it's wrong to watch. I'm going to watch every Broncos game this year. I guarantee you that. But does this get in the way? Has this become my life? Is just football? Is video games all you do? Is, is just 
tracking the stock market all you do? Because in the scope of eternity, that means nothing. It means nothing. But do you know what would make a difference in eternity? A kid that does not know that they are loved and valued, and you come alongside them as a mentor. You come alongside and you say, hey, this is what it looks like to follow God. That makes a difference in eternity. So just make sure you're not consuming your brain with things that are meaningless. Let's make sure there's the, you don't have all this stuff in the way to where you can't simply be a mentor to, to the people that need it. Um, there are, you know, you might say, man, I, you know, some of you families might say, man, I, I don't know if we could adopt. And I totally get that. I don't think every single family is called to adopt. I, I, I don't. There's just different situations, different scenarios. But I do think that probably some of you in here may not have thought about it. And, and I pray that the, the wheels start turning in your head where you think, man, what if? Maybe we could. It says that God places the lonely in families. He places the lonely in families. Think about this, that there are kids right now who don't have a family that are praying to God, saying, God, please, just give me a family. Just give me a family. And I want you to think, could your family be the answer to that prayer? The very one that God is thinking of and saying, man, they would, this would be so perfect for them to, to come into this family and just know that that love and that acceptance and that, that, that gospel motivated love that I've called them to. Not everybody's called, but, but, you know, the great thing is that we are all called to care, though. Like, you know, you, you may be a family where you're like, okay, we know at this point, like, we, we couldn't adopt, you know, and, and I get that. I'm not, I'm not here being like, every person here needs to adopt, but I think we all need to care. We all need to have a, a part in this. Psalm 82, 3 through 4 says this, Give justice to the poor and the orphan. Uphold the rights of the oppressed and the destitute. Rescue the poor and helpless. Deliver them from the grasp of evil people. And, and I think that this is the heart of Christ, is to bring justice to the poor and the orphan. And this is Christ's heart, then this needs to be our heart. You know, when it comes to caring for the poor, one of the things is that God, when you look at the Bible, God's plan A for caring for the poor was the church. If the church truly did what God called them to do, if we were radical, like in the book of Acts, where it's like saying, hey, man, I, there's what I need to live on, and then I'm going to take the rest, and I'm going to figure out who, who needs it and how we can like, help the people that are, that are a little bit down, train them, help them to, to be able to, to start you know, living a, a life where they can support themselves, and then it's going to spread and spread and spread. But as a church, like, we just haven't done a great job. And, and what happens is, is you know, it gets thrown to the government, and then we complain about it. Like, ah, oh, the government isn't supposed to. It's like, then let's do it. As the church, let's step in. Let's, let's be the plan A. You know, and we, we may not be able to change everything, but, but you can make a difference if you just decide, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my part. 
And it's the same thing when it comes to orphans, is that I believe that God's plan A when it comes to those without parents is the church. There are 100,000 plus orphans in the foster care system just in the U.S. that are waiting to be adopted. And here's the crazy thing. If one family in every three church congregations, three church congregations, so three separate churches, let's say that are meeting this morning, if one family out of those three decided, okay, we are going to adopt somebody that's in the foster care system, it would reverse the demand. We would have people waiting for kids that need to be adopted instead of a whole bunch of kids waiting to find families who would adopt them. That blows my mind. So you may say, man, I want to help. How can I help? The very first thing is that you can pray. Pray. Pray for these kids that don't have parents and don't have, um, that are fatherless and, and that need that help. Pray. But also pray about what God wants you to do. Don't, you know, I always think that, man, when we tell God our plans, he, he just laughs, you know. He's like, no, I got something bigger for you. So pray and ask him, God, what is it that you want us to do? For some of you, the step is adoption. God's been pulling on your heart and, and you truly feel like, man, we need to adopt. Some of you guys might be empty nesters and you thought that, that you know, those days were over and you feel like God's pulling your heart for something. Listen to what God is telling you to do. For some of you, it is to adopt. For some of you, it's, it's to foster. And you say, man, I, we can't adopt right now, but we can offer a home for a little while. And I know that this is extremely difficult, extremely hard. But for some of you, that's, that's what you feel like you can do. For some of you, it's to be a mentor. You know, um, some kids, they have a home. They have parents. They have, but they, they need a mentor. They don't have any spiritual influence. They don't have anybody that's truly leading them. They might have somebody who's paying for them to live in a house, but they don't truly have a mentor. They don't truly have a leader in their life. For some of you, it is to mentor. For some of you, it's to serve. Man, Destiny Kids is an amazing ministry. And there are so many kids in there that need somebody like you who will just simply show up once a month, once a month, and will just say, you know what, I want to love these kids and show them that they're valued. Show them what it's like to be somebody that, that loves Jesus and loves them. It's, it, it really is, is something that is so important. DC Youth you know, some of you, you God calling you to, to help with teenagers. And the same thing, to, to show people, to mentor, to mentor teens, to, to, to say, okay, I might not be able to foster, but I, but I can show up once a week and I can, I can love these teens. For some of you, you know, we've got our tutoring ministry. And man, you are sharp as a knife. And you can use that to, to tutor. I mean, we have, we, we've had um, students come in from outside of our church, and we've seen uh, the difference that's made, and not just when their GPA raises, but when they have a confidence about themselves because they're around somebody every week that's excited to see them. For some of you, it's, it's 
to babysit. You know, there's, there's families that have adopted or have fostered or, or single parents or, or different scenarios, different situations where you can just simply say, hey, I just want to babysit. I just, you, you need to get some time on your own and you, and you babysit. Serve a single parent. You know, for some of you, it's, it, it, we got to celebrate. We need to throw showers when people are adopting. We need to throw showers for teenage mothers. We need, to, we need to celebrate life. Celebrate when people are making those decisions that, that are, are contributing to this embracing of the orphan. The last thing is to give, financially give. You know, there's so many different um, organizations that you can give to that are truly... Um, uh, contributing to this embracing of the orphan when it comes to, you know, we got Mosaic, Mobile Hope, Tree of Life. Um, those are all local. You know, give to foster families. Give to, to people that are thinking about adopting. Um, give to adoption agencies. You know, give to World Help, Compassion International, all of these different organizations that are helping to embrace the orphan. Give financially. Not all of us are called to adopt, but some of us are. But every single one of us, for sure, are called to care and called to be part of the process of caring for the orphans. You know, it, it's kind of like in the Bible where, where it talks about the gospel and how there's one person that plants and another person that waters. And God's responsible for the growth, but we all have a part in this. So I want you to think, man, what part am I in the process? I want to show you guys a video of a family that has adopted and it's just amazing because it truly shows the difference that can be made when we embrace the orphan. So check out this video. My favorite quote of all time was our furnace repair man comes into the house, stops dead in his tracks, and says, this looks like some kind of United Nations meeting. Bangalore, India. Connecticut. And I was born in Romania. Ethiopia. Which is in Africa. And China. <laughs> Sharon is the gas pedal, and I am the brakes. Over and over she'll say, I found this child who needs X and Y and Z, and all we'd have to do is fly over the ocean, get funding, connect this dot to here, and it'd be done. We're such victims of our culture because our culture tells us your kids have to look perfect and be in all the perfect schools, and you can't do that with a big family. But if you just concentrate on what's important, the rest will follow. People discouraged us. They thought we were going to ruin our lives by taking all these special kids, and they said, you don't know what to do. And it's true that we had no experience, and we didn't really know how to raise them. But you, you see what happens with unconditional love. You give a person unconditional love, and they, they blossom. I feel like having these kids has really helped us find our life, find our meaning, find our purpose.
It took me decades to figure this out, but there's no physical thing that you can buy that's actually going to give you true peace and happiness. And the pure joy that will come from a, a rescue and a ransom of a child's life is probably the most satisfying thing you can imagine. We talk about adoption, we tell them they're adopted, and we kind of tell them, you know, being born into a family, you don't even decide that, it kind of happens biologically, but when you're adopted, your parents looked out at the whole world and picked you. But no matter where you were before, it's like where you can be now, your past doesn't define that. This family has proven that. And it's just like you have a dying boy from Romania or starving kids from Africa and you bring them to a place where they can be, I guess, human to the fullest and that's, that's a generous, generous thing. Family is everything. <laughs> Interesting. His <laughs> family is just people you can be a fool around and they'll still love you. Awesome. No, should I do the Dennehy face? <laughs> family is something that I can count on. Family is adoption. So the third point in why uh, embracing of the orphan is so important is because God is the ultimate adopter. God is the ultimate adopter. Ephesians 1.5 says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And check this out. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. Sometimes we forget how lost, how fatherless, how loveless we are without God. And here we are in our, in our mess, in our sin. And it says that God decided in advance to adopt you, to bring you into his family. And, and, and this is what he wanted to do. It gave him great pleasure. You know, there's two kingdoms, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And because of how humanity is, we are all born into the kingdom of darkness. There's nothing we can do about it. We are born into sin. But God desires to adopt you, to bring you into the kingdom of light. Romans 8, 14 through 15 says, for all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. 
now we call him Abba Father. The word Abba, what it is, it's a term of endearment. It's like, you know, there's a father, but then there's a dad, you know? It's a term that you would call a loving father. Like daddy, dad, whatever it is that you would call that father that loves you so deeply. And God desired to adopt you, to bring you into his family. That is his heart, is adoption. That uh, story we talked about earlier with Officer Ryan Holitz, this baby, you know, was, that, was, uh, um, that was born, Hope, she, when she was born, she was born with an opioid addiction simply because of her mom was an addict. And, and so that literally became, was in her blood. She was an opioid addict. So when she's born as, an, as a baby, they had to detox her, had to get her off of that addiction. And I thought, man, what a picture of what we are born into. We are born into sin and darkness. And it's just, we're born that way. David says, I was born a sinner. We are born that way. But what God does is he doesn't just look at you and say, ugh, gosh. No, he looks at you and says, no, I want to, I don't want them to remain that way. I want to bring them into the family of God. I want them to be my son. I want them to be my daughter. He doesn't say, hey, baby, hope. What I want you to do is I want you to get off of your addiction and then you can come to me. No, the baby, the baby can't do anything. She can't get off of that addiction. What had to happen is somebody else had to come and to bring her out of that and say, I'm going to adopt you, bring you into my family. I'm going to love you. You are now my daughter. And we're going to, we're going to get you off of this addiction. And that's what happens. We are born into sin. And God says, listen, I can't stand for them to stay in that. So I am going to give my son, Jesus, to create a way for them to be adopted into my family. And once I get them over, then we're going to work on that stuff that's been just destroying them. But you don't have to clean yourself up before you get to God. You can't. You can't do it. You can't get yourself clean. What you need is a savior, the power of the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing, God desires to adopt you. It gives him great pleasure. So some of you in here, you were born a sinner and you're still in the kingdom of darkness and you've never asked Jesus to bring you over into the kingdom of light. You've never, you, you may not have even known that this adoption was a thing. For some of you, 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 you believe in God, but you still are in that kingdom. You, you've never trusted in him. You've been trusting in your own good works to try to clean yourself up and it just, it won't work. What I'm going to do is in a couple minutes here, I'm going to pray. And if that's you, all I want you to do is just to call out to God and just say, God, I need you to be my father. I can't do this on my own. I can't save myself. I need you to be in your family. And here's the thing. You may have the craziest past in the world. He's looking at you and he's saying, I desire to adopt you. Not only that, but he's saying, it gives me great pleasure. I want you to be my son. I want you to be my daughter. 
And if that's you, when I pray, I just want you to call out to God. And it's not any magic words. It's the belief in your heart that, God, you are the only one that can save me. And for all of us, I'm going to pray that God would reveal how we can be part of the process of embracing the orphan. Of not saying, well, that's the hand that they were dealt, but saying, we're going to bring justice to the orphan. We are going to let them know that they are loved and valued and taken care of. Let's be the church that does that for our community. So I'm going to pray and and, and I want you to think, okay, God, what's our step? What's our step of what we can do? So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we love you so much. We thank you for how amazing you are. And God, we thank you that you are the ultimate adopter. Jesus, I pray for every person in here, Lord, that we would truly seek you and ask, what is my role? What is my step in embracing the orphan and caring for the orphan? God, I pray that we would take that seriously, that we would see that that's the gospel in its purest form. That we would see your heart and that we would follow your lead. God, right now I pray for those that are spiritual orphans. They don't have a spiritual father. They need you to save them. They need you to be their savior. If that's you, I just want you to pray this with me. Say, dear God, thank you so much for how much you love me. I've tried to do things on my own and I've messed up. I've sinned. I've done wrong. But God, I no longer want to live that life anymore. I want to take the life that you have for me. God, I want to be adopted into your family. I want to be your son. I want to be your daughter. And God, I know the only way that this can happen is because of what Jesus did when he died for me. God, I'm living for you. I want you to be my father. I love you. In your name I pray, amen. Amen.